Welcome to the ETAP Podcast, a service of the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials. Each month, we'll provide information and insight into environmental issues important to state transportation officials. Well, thanks so much for joining us on Ashto's ETAP Podcast. My name is Bernie Wagenblast. This month, we are joined by Jessica O. Oh. She is the Strategic Partnerships Director in the Sustainability and Public Health Office of Minnesota DOT. Jessica? Welcome to Ashto's ETAP Podcast. Thanks for having me, Bernie. We're going to be talking, as I mentioned in the introduction, about next-generation highways. Now, that could conjure up all sorts of ideas in people's minds. Why don't you give me your brief explanation of what you have in mind when you talk about next-generation highways, if you would, please? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having the MnDOT team today to discuss this. So the next generation highways concept is a concept that's being furthered and evaluated by a coalition of partners in the energy space and in the transportation space to analyze the strategic co-location of energy and transmission infrastructure with broadband infrastructure and electric vehicle charging infrastructure. And so it's really this concept of can we utilize and how could we utilize, you know, highway rights of way for energy needs and communication needs going forward. So it's a a broad coalition of different types of partners who are evaluating this concept and really trying to more deeply understand what are the pressure points for DOTs and for the energy partners and utilities. As you're working with these various partners, what is their ultimate vision? What's your ultimate vision of what this next generation of highways might look like? So our partners really are trying to think about those future transportation needs. How do we ensure that we are supporting the decarbonization of our economy more broadly. And so, you know, it sounds like a bit of hyperbole to say this, but I don't really think it is so that transportation is being called upon to understand our nation's pressing needs and our use of our right-of-way for those pressing needs with greater urgency than ever before. So we've had to educate ourselves at the DOT trying to understand energy needs and the need for additional transmission infrastructure. And so to decarbonize our economy, we need more transmission. Transmission is needed to connect renewables to support all these new loads to the grid that are coming from electrification of transportation, not just light duty, but heavy duty and fleets and and all the rest. And, And more broadly, electrification of our economy will require double or triple the amount of transmission needed for these new loads. As we think about the electrification of transportation, we have to be, if we want to decarbonize transportation, we have to be also thinking about decarbonizing energy and our role in that and our ability to potentially support that by use of our right-of-way for new transmission infrastructure and broadband. So I think we're being called upon to understand these issues and how they intersect and how they serve transportation purposes going forward. Energy transmission infrastructure can be uh, controversial at times in terms of people not wanting it in their backyard. How do you deal with some of those concerns that the public may express in terms of, hey, yeah, we need this, but I don't want a transmission line going through uh, my area. Definitely. I think that 
the concept that we evaluated with the recently released feasibility study looked specifically at buried high voltage transmission lines that are being furthered in parts of the US, but also more extensively in Europe and in Asia. And so we were really analyzing that newer technology and the use of the right-of-way as most states prohibit the use of right-of-way for transmission infrastructure. There's only three states really that allow it. And so we're trying to evaluate could we do a policy shift in order to understand what the benefits are to energy infrastructure? And what you're mentioning of those long controversial siting decisions, you know, use of existing disturbed right away for that infrastructure could contain the visual impacts. It would also reduce the amount of land and, you know, greenfield that is needed for infrastructure to preserve those uses for other important needs for agriculture and other areas. So if you're using transportation right away, you're reducing those visual impacts, you're reducing the siting timelines that can take seven to 10 years for a major project because you're dealing with hundreds of landowners. Instead of dealing with hundreds of landowners, you're dealing with one DOT. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to really understand those benefits and analyze what would the impacts be to the transportation system. But we do think that the benefits for communities, for those visual impacts and those other elements would be lessened if we were to allow transmission in the right of way. You talked a little bit earlier about what the ultimate vision of these next generation highways might be. How do we get from where we are today to reaching that ultimate vision? Wow, that's a very big question, Bernie. I think that (laughs) I would put our analysis in sort of two buckets. I think that first is the sort of cultural resistance to these alternative uses of right-of-way. And I would say that the national transportation conversation, both at the federal level and at the state level, is really understanding that these alternative uses of -of right-of-way can help meet these other pressing needs. And then I would also put the answer in the cultural basket, but also in the statutory basket. Title 23, federally, requires that we preserve and only utilize that right away for transportation purpose. So there's a real reason why state DOTs and state utility engineers do not want to use the right away because they feel that they carry the mandate to prevent those encroachment, prevent those uses to preserve transportation purpose. And so it's both cultural of that's not how we do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also in statute, most states have statutes that prohibit those uses in order to have them utilized for transportation needs. So for these alternative uses that we're being called upon to analyze, that's a big shift culturally for most agencies. So I think that we need recognition of these critical needs by the average DOT, that we can be part of the solution. We can support connectivity communications infrastructure we've seen during COVID is essential to the health and well-being of communities. So I think we need to be cognizant of the opportunities here to better serve and connect our states by use of the right-of-way. In the report you wrote, one of the things you talked about quite a bit were high-voltage direct current transmitters. What exactly is HVDC and how is it part of the next generation of highways? HVDC is a buried high voltage direct current lines as contemplated by the feasibility study is a newer technology of burying transmission infrastructure in duct banks that are about five foot below grade in a footprint that's about five feet wide. And it allows for much more efficient 
transmission of electricity over long distances. And it's considered a bit more costly than above ground infrastructure, but it offers significant resiliency benefits and smart grid benefits that really puts that infrastructure out of sight, out of mind, and protects it from those more severe kind of climate events that could really confer benefits upon the grid. Talking more about HVDC, what are some of the unforeseen downsides to it and how do you adjust for those downsides? I would say just in general with a transmission line, under normal circumstances, if a DOT needs to relocate utilities as part of a necessary expansion project to improve safety of an interchange, for instance, typically the relocation of those utilities, some states transportation pays for those, other states' utilities pay for those. In Minnesota, if we relocate utilities part of an interstate project, we have to bear those costs. And so when you're talking about a $3 billion transmission line, the idea of relocating a transmission line is very complicated and we would be very costly and very complicated. So I think that we have to think about the issues of relocation, relocation expense, and some of those areas as we do that future planning. If we do allow transmission, we really need to have a strong eye towards those 20-year, 30-year investment horizons to make sure that we're planning for transportation, future transportation needs and doing that analysis, while also trying to site in a way that won't be disruptive to the transportation system. Talking about costs, just in terms of some of those tremendous costs that you talk about, how do you envision paying for this at this point? Or how is it envisioned paying for this? So I think one of the sort of practical steps that, you know, we can sort of take a step back and evaluate who our potential partners could be in discussing use of right-of-way for transmission. And so I think it's essential that we have strong relate. And I think that NEVI, right, electric vehicle infrastructure, we have never been more called upon as transportation professionals to work with energy to plan these investments and the deployment of that $7.5 billion. It's exciting, but it also, we need more relationships. We need more relationships with utilities, more relationships with those regulators. And so if we are to entertain these policy shifts, we have to have relationships with our public utilities commissions. We have to understand the implications of placing this infrastructure in the right of way. And so I think that the average DOT needs a stronger relationship with those folks to see, are there currently new transmission lines that would save costs for ratepayers by use of right of way? And maybe that's, that's short jogs. Maybe it's not the entire long spans, but maybe it's better coordination to allow for, instead of the millions and millions of dollars to jog a line out, maybe it makes sense in some areas to put that line in those poles outside the clear zone at the end of the right of way in a way that would facilitate transmission siting maybe more efficiently. We've been talking a lot about energy transmission, but the other side of that is energy generation. How does that fit into all this? So I think that many, I think that that's one hurdle that I think there's been a lot of progress in the average DOT is utilization of right away for solar projects, for instance, has gained a lot of momentum. Minnesota has been experimenting with this in right away that were former gravel pits and on top of a mobility hub and on top of some of our buildings to really support the generation of, of solar energy, for instance. I, I think that there's been more acceptance on the, the generation front. 
Naturally, if we're talking about transmission, there are going to be associated infrastructure that we would never allow. We're not going to allow a $200 million conversion station, for instance, in our right-of-way. And those substations, some of the associated infrastructure, it's unlikely that a DOT would want that in our right-of-way, right? It's too complex. It's too large. It's too risky. There will be costs to the average DOT, though, to oversee transmission, installation, and maintenance and some of those pieces. But I think we have a lot of experience with ITS and broadband in some instances. Transmission broadband can look similar. Some of the challenges are oversight pieces. So I, I do think there's a there's a playbook for how we how we oversee this new infrastructure through utility accommodation and those elements. Something that you mentioned in passing at the top of the podcast was mm-hmm. broadband is also part of this. How does that fit in? How do you incorporate fiber with HVDC? I think that's a really exciting component of this model is this sort of recognition that federally and many states have recognized that the dig once policies are real, that why disturb the right away multiple times, we should be having better coordination to dig once for this critical infrastructure. Many states are really evaluating how they can, you know, expand broadband within their rights away. So for many states, it's an allowable utility. Some states like Minnesota prohibit it in the interstates, but adding in broadband really would confer extensive benefits to the average DOT. Those public-private partnerships for resource sharing, the bartering of fiber, could really support our ITS infrastructure and our communications needs as we look to the future. Connected autonomous vehicles will require additional communications infrastructure. So the next-gen highways effort is really seeking to align all those future uses in ways that are strategic so that we can look to the future of connected autonomous vehicles and those communication infrastructure needs. We can look to the future for the transmission needs. So we are really seeking to figure out how we can layer those solutions in a way that promotes safety and decarbonization and connectivity. Jessica, you've been talking about a very massive project in theory in terms of this (laughs) getting to a point where it becomes practical and is actually being deployed. What do you see as some of the biggest barriers to creating these highways of the future? And how do you plan to solve for that? I think that some of our barriers are cultural. There is a playbook that some states have kind of overcome this. Minnesota looks to Wisconsin, our cherished neighbors who have allowed above ground transmission or the legislative uh, you know, authority created the ability for above ground transmission on the right of way 20 years ago. And we have learned a lot from understanding their experience with transmission. I think that the barriers are, are heavily cultural in that we don't understand energy needs. We need more relationships with energy companies and utilities. I think that we can work through some of these barriers. I think that we need to walk into it with our eyes wide open around the complexity of coordinating with multiple state agencies and the additional costs for oversight of this infrastructure. But I think we have been called upon to look to see how we can support larger economy-wide decarbonization. And it directly serves transportation because we have a lot of grid needs with the electrification of transportation. So Nevi has shown us that. I don't think that any of these barriers can't be overcome, but I think we could really invest in and uh, learn more about those communication needs, those energy needs in a way that will help us support needs for citizens all across our states. You talked about something that your neighbors in Wisconsin did 
a couple of decades ago in terms of allowing transmission along state highway rights of way. What can other states do to get involved with this whole process? I would encourage for states who have kind of siloed approaches to some of these topical areas, which we also found in Minnesota in very practical terms, that those that are thinking about future connected autonomous vehicle needs and future ITS needs and future broadband needs, we're not the same people in our agency as those that are thinking about utility accommodation. I really believe that as DOTs, we need to break those silos down internally, understand what are these co-benefits, understand what are these opportunities, and kind of strategically go through that basket of policies in each of our agencies to see how could we embrace emerging technologies within utility accommodation. Do we have P3 authority to do some of these things? What is our Public Utilities Commission or our economic development folks' vision of transmission and, and some of those areas where we, you know, we need to understand those external needs, I think, to a greater degree. So I would highly recommend that we have new alternative uses of right-of-way committees with AASHTO. We have, through TRB, there's many committees that are interested in understanding these co-benefits and these decarbonization opportunities. So I would recommend that the average DOT kind of tune into some of those discussions happening in AASHTO and TRB to be part of this emerging area of practice of how can we use right-of-way in a way that will support those other needs. We've been talking on this episode of Ashto's ETAP podcast with Jessica O. Oh. She is the Strategic Partnerships Director in the Sustainability and Public Health Office of Minnesota DOT. Jessica, thanks so much for giving us a little bit of a glimpse into the future of what our highways might look like in uh, a few decades to come. Thanks for having me, Bernie.